following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. I am so super excited about this week's guest returning for a second time. I just, I can't stop thinking about you, Brandon. I can't stop thinking about you. I can't stop thinking about your family. Uh, Welcoming back Brandon Janice to the podcast. How are you doing? Jill, I'm doing great. And that's, it's an honor that you would welcome me back. Not everyone would be back. So the fact that I've gotten two times to be with you is so sweet. And um, I appreciate you um, wanting to continue to allow us to share our story and the story of Rachel. So thank you for having me. Oh, I was just hopeful that you weren't too, too busy and that you would say, yes, I'll come back. And also, thanks. Or that my um, hysterical crying um, in our last episode and the, it it was so funny because I got some feedback from people that just absolutely loved that episode. And I had a friend of mine who she was just trying to, to poke fun at me, but she's like, Jill, you got to get it together, girl. <laughs> I said, no, I could There was no way. Um, let's kind of talk about that a little bit for the listener that has maybe not had a chance to listen to that episode. I will have it linked in the show notes. But the reason why I have you back is to talk about what has transpired in between the passing of Rachel and where we are now. But I do want to give, uh, I, I want to just give some honor to Rachel and talk a little bit about her. Can you, you know, I, I know it's hard to say briefly summarize, but talk a little bit about Rachel and um, what happened to her. Yeah. So um, first, Rachel was the the best human being I've ever gotten to know in my entire life. And um, I um, I fell in love with her and chased her for 10 years and eventually talked her into marrying me. And um, we were married um, for just under 10 years before uh, cancer took her life. We have three precious children, um, Hadley, Cooper, and Macklin. And, um, and got to, man, I got to spend um, some incredible years with her. She spent her, you know, the rest of her life with me. I did not get to spend the rest of my life with her, but um, cancer, you know, got her and, and, and took took over her body uh, and eventually led to her passing on March 1st of 2020, uh, leaving me a, a single dad to, to three. Um, but Rachel, uh, as you know, Jill, in, in our past discussion, she prepared us so well for, um, for what was next. She was the most selfless human being um, again, I've ever had the had the privilege to be around, and so everything that she did, and you know, her her final few months, because because we were told that she wasn't going to get better, and um, we believed that God could do some incredible things, and we continued to pray for a miracle. But medically speaking, there was nothing they could do. Um, Rachel turned to just making sure that we would be okay, and um, gosh, I mean. Uh, 
I, I've, I've been told many times that, you know, well, after a few months, people will go back to their lives or after a year, you know, they'll forget about that or after, you know, whatever, whatever that timetable may be that, um, that you won't feel people anymore. And we just had my daughter's um, baptism yesterday and you would not believe the army of people that showed up and continue to show up in our lives um, because they told Rachel they would. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. We are so loved. We are so taken care of. Um, I hate that I'm doing life without her, but um, she prepared us uh, as well as she could for for the season of, of life with, with no mommy and no wife. Yeah, that <laughs> is what still gets me. Um, I want to back up and say that, you know, it was a quick diagnosis as far as from when she was diagnosed and when she passed because she was diagnosed on April 17th, 2018. And like you said, she passed on March 1st, 2020. And gosh, how, I can't even imagine like how much you guys had to accomplish in such a short time. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And and we were actually given a clean bill of health about a year in, you know, she, mm. she had breast cancer and, and kicked it. And, um, you know, we were told like, it is gone. It is, it is not coming back. Now, Rachel never, never felt that she felt that it would, would always come back. For some reason, Rachel felt that that was, that was her purpose was to be here. Um, and, and the cancer would eventually take her life. And so, uh, when it did come back in, in August of 2019, um, it came back in her spine um, and at that point, when it metastasized like that, there's there's no getting rid of it. You can't remove spine, right? You can't remove yeah. bone. And so um, we knew we were in for for um, a long haul. We did not expect it to be that quick, uh, but it it you know gotten into her bones and then eventually her spinal fluid and then her brain. And it was um, you know it was pretty quick after that. Um, so we knew you know we knew a few months before um, she passed that you know, we had to, we had to live the last few months the best we could. And, you know, a lot of people will, you, you have a few different ways you can choose to do that. And and Rachel chose to, to make sure everybody was, was taken care of, to make sure she was sharing um, the good news and, and, and what the Lord had done in her life and continues to do in her life and um, never complained, um, never, never had the woe is me attitude. Um, it was a, a, a beautiful thing to watch as hard as it was. It was so beautiful the way she was able to, um, share so much good and so much joy and such a hard, uh, a hard time. But didn't you say too, that before this diagnosis, that Rachel was just a, a lover of life. Like she mm-hmm. did not take any day for granted. No, you're exactly right. That's what drew me to her to begin with. Like, I remember when I when I first met her, my, my parents were like, what is it about her? I'm like, she just would make life so much more fun. And um, that sounds shallow, but that's that matters. Right? When, when you have so many years to live your life, you want to you, it want, you want it to be fun. And Rachel made every single day more fun. Um, and um, that's how she lived. That's how she loved. I mean, she she never met a stranger. Um she she did all she could to accept people right where they were. Never wanted to change you. Never wanted to make you better. Um, she loved where you, loved you where you were and walked alongside you and um, was was just a constant encourager. She was a noticer. She just showed up and and noticed when when people needed help. 
um, didn't ask for permission. She just, um, she just did. And, um, and, you know, taught us along the way how to do the same thing. And, uh, you know, I fall short on a daily basis, but I got to, to learn from the, the best again that, that I know to, to, um, to do it. And that's always like my biggest gripe about myself, like living each day to its fullest. And um, we're going to get into that because you have some some tips and tricks now. But I want to go back to something that you were talking about with Rachel preparing all of you. So I was before this interview, I was talking to some coworkers about who I was interviewing and our our first interview and some of the things that you had told me. And as I was telling them, their eyes were welling up. And I said, that's exactly what happened to me. And one of the examples that I'll give is that you, and you, and we didn't specifically talk about this on the last episode, but you did this on social media. And you said that one of the things that you and Rachel talked about you, you said schedule a date night with your spouse and have the death talk. Mm. And you're like, I know that's not sexy and not fun, but here's why. And you explained that Rachel said to you, I'm paraphrasing so you can chime in, but like she wanted you to keep living your life after her and she wanted you to find someone that made you happy and she wanted you to find someone that would also be there for the kids. And like those are tough conversations, but to be prepared, like none of us want to do that. But gosh, it would suck to not know and to just be going through life and think, oh my gosh, what would they want me to do? So yes, the conversations are hard, but from your experience, do you feel this sense of calm because of those conversations? Absolutely. Um, it's it's funny. I know we this is not a, a book promo, but I actually just wrote a book, as, as you know. And Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I did not share publicly ever was um, about the things that were said in our last date. I think I shared that we had a last date. We were in the hospital and Rachel said, you know, all I want is a big old tub of movie theater popcorn and a a large Coke, right? That's what, that's all she wanted for our last date. And there was very few times where it was just she and I in the room because so many people wanted to come see Rachel and visit Rachel. And so we did, we, we had, um, a couple hours where it became our last date. And I didn't know that she had planned this. I didn't know to this day. I don't know when she, when she planned it and when she wrote these things down, but she had eight things that she wanted from me um, written down in her phone. And at this point she wasn't able to, to really keep um, her thoughts straight. Um, She wasn't able to talk a ton. She was super tired, but um, she had me read those eight things to her. And the very first one was, you know, I want you to find love again. Um, and, and, and true Rachel way, uh, or true Rachel form. She's, you know, I'm actually reading it right now. She said, not today or in two weeks, that would be super weird. And I want to be you behind your back, but sooner than later, I want you to find love again. This is so important to me. I want you to find someone that will love you. Like I do. I want you to find someone that will love the kids. Like I do. I want you to find someone that will root you on and all your crazy ideas. At the same time, I want her to understand that just because I'm gone, it doesn't mean you stop loving me. I want mm-hmm. her to know that you'll always love me, but that she doesn't have to compare. She doesn't have to compare with me. I'm not coming back to take you away from her, and I'll be her biggest fan from up there. 
But I also want her to know that if she screws this up, if she messes with your heart or my babies, she will feel my wrath. And believe me, <laughs> she doesn't want that. So that was uh, that was one of the things that um, one of my eight things. And um, you know, I, I obviously Jill would have eventually moved on, um, permission or not, because life is short, and I have you know so many years left to live. And um, I want a partner. I want to do life with somebody. Um, but giving your person that freedom. Um, and then making it known to all the other people too, the people that are in our, in our village, in our tribe, um, knowing that, man, that's really what Rachel wanted, right? Mm-hmm. It made the, those times easier when I, when I do date or when I do find someone that um, it's honoring Rachel as much as it is, you know, myself and the kids. And so um, very important conversation. It, it's, I don't know, Jill, that I would have been in that state to say that at that point. Um, And it shows a lot more about her as a person. I know a lot of people would have a hard time having that conversation. But man, if you really love your person, um, I can't imagine you wanting them to be lonely and single and doing life alone um, forever. And so um, getting that getting that permission was um, meant more than 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 anyone could ever know. Yeah, it's those tough conversations. And the thing that hit me when you were reading that too is what a great way though to talk about Rachel with a a future partner, like Mm. joking around, you know, and explaining how she is. And, and, you know, I just, that's another great way. I, I can't imagine it would be easy at any time. But wow, that makes it, like you said, it's so much easier to explain and to talk to people about. Um, We are going to transition into the book. And uh, when I saw that you were doing this, I was like, yes. So yes, yes, yes. I, I just love this. It's called Just Do. And It is stories about discovering purpose, gaining perspectives, and being present. And I'm like, dang, this is exactly what I need in my life. This is is what everyone needs in their life. And I know it's because I follow you on social media and I see what you put out there. Like the fact that you show up for your kids every day, but you feel the same as a lot of us where despite what kind of situation we're in, we feel like we fail or we feel like we don't give enough. And I look at you and I'm like, dang, he is a single dad. His kids lost their mom. He lost his wife, his partner. And what I get from you is that don't think about it that way. Mm. Don't look at me as a quote unquote charity case. Like, yeah, you are in a situation where it is tough, but you're like, listen, stop feeling sorry for yourself and do something and be there and you will fail and it's okay, but you got to keep showing up. And that's what I am just so, so humbled by and like, just keep going. And I see what you're doing. And I, I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about, was this something, the book that 
when Rachel was going through her cancer, it came to mind afterwards? Like, where did it transpire? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you for for saying the things you you did. Um, So actually, it was one of her eight things. So you're going to get me to read the whole book. But one of her eight things on number six, um, again, I've never shared this publicly, but number six um, says, I want you to finish your book. You've been talking about it for way too long. People are tired of hearing about it and probably don't (laughs) even believe you'll do it anymore. Stop talking about it, babe. Stop thinking about it. It's getting old. Please do me a favor and just do. And um, so I had been, you know, I don't know if we talked about this, but um, I had been a very absent spouse and father um, for the first five years of my kid's life. I was on the road a lot, um, speaking and doing different events and um, thought I was doing what I was supposed to do by being a provider. Um, I thought that's what my role was. And um, that's not what Rachel wanted. And she wanted um, someone to do life with and parent with and and have a spouse with her. Um, And so she came up with this bright idea to move into a motorhome together and travel with me everywhere I I went, um, which I thought was an asinine idea at the time <laughs> with three kids under five years old. Um, but she wasn't going to take no for an answer. I, honestly, I'll, I wrote about it, but I remember the call. Like, she's like, we're going to come with you. I'm like, you mean like everywhere? And she's like, yeah, I mean like everywhere. And so um, it took, that's when my perspective began to change. It took me living in 40 feet and nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no office to go into, no door to close, um, doing our entire lives together for a whole year, uh, again, with three kids under five. Um, that's when I began to realize how off I was, how my priorities were, were totally out of whack, how everything seemed more important than the most important thing, which was Rachel and the kids. And, um, I, um, I'm very open about how, how, how bad I was. One of my buddies read the book and he's like, bro, you really beat yourself up. I feel like someone needs to come in here and and talk about you're not that bad, but I was that bad. And, um, and it took Rachel, um, realizing, look, this isn't the life I signed up for. We're going to come do it with you. And so that's when I started to write, Jill, I started to write little lessons that I learned from the road that year, um, by simply listening by watching my children by by listening to some of the things Rachel would say and the way she'd communicate and um it, it was just a beautiful year I, I wish I could I, I wish I could um I would do it again right now if I could um but I that year was by far the best year of our lives it was right before Rachel got diagnosed so we had no idea this was going to happen if you think God didn't have something to do with that you're crazy mm-hmm. um this was all you know, part of his perfect plan. And it, it made me a better husband. It made me a better, um, a better dad. It made me a better friend. It made me a better coworker. Um, it just made me better because my priorities completely flipped. Um, and I began to keep the main people, the main people in the story. And so I wrote a bunch from the road that year. I had planned on putting this book out just about that year. Uh, and then Rachel got sick. And so I stopped I stopped, you know, that process and um, began to write through her, you know, our journey, our cancer journey, as, as you could see, if you follow, if you follow me. Um, and then the question was, how do I tie these things together? Because I can't put a book out about the RV years without where we are today. I just couldn't figure out how to do that. It seemed disingenuine. Um, and then I didn't want to put a book out about just the sick journey, because I think there's so much joy 
that would have been missed out and um, I wanted to tie them together. So um, we talked offline, but I, I met with, with Bob Golf, who some people may know. I went to a writer's retreat with him and, and he kind of helped me put it together. He said, man, it just makes sense and this is how we're gonna do it. And um, so that was kind of an aha moment around a campfire with, with Bob uh, helping me put a beginning, middle and end on this thing. And um, and so that's what I did. I, I um, met with a buddy and we decided we were going to do it because I don't like logistics. I don't like a lot of the stuff that comes into um, getting a book done. There's a lot. Like the admin stuff. Yeah, there's so many things. And um, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all the stuff you don't want to do. I just want you to write. And mm. we're going to hit a Christmas deadline so people can have it by Christmas. So so we have 45 days. We got to go get it done. And so for 45 days, minus the weekends, from um, 7 a.m. when the kids got on the bus to 2.52 when they get off the bus, I wrote. And it was the most enjoyable 45 days. I had so much fun. And I remember getting to that last chapter. I knew it was going to be the last chapter. Uh, my time was running up. And uh, and I, I, I finished it. And I was so sad, Jill. I'm like, what am I going to do now? This is so much fun and healing and um it was just beautiful it was a beautiful time for me um and it's and it's and it happened and we got it done in 45 days and um just thrilled about the the entire process but that was one of the things rachel made me promise that i'd get it done and so i don't know that anyone will read it jill i did not promise her people would read it but i promised her i'd get it done and, and myself and the kids have a book and they're they're as thrilled as i am about it we are definitely not finished speaking with Brandon, so please join me next week for part four of the conversation with Brandon, and here's a little sneak peek of what to expect in that episode. But it's amazing what happens when you put the phone down and you spend 10 minutes with the kid who's asking you to play, um, throw the ball, shoot the hoop, whatever it may be. 10 minutes to a kid is an eternity. Yeah. You know, the call can wait, the webinar can wait, the podcast can wait. Like life has to happen. You have to get your work done. I totally understand that, but I'll never regret putting it down, listening to them. You know, one of the things that Rachel always said was listen with your whole face, not the top of your head, right? When you're scrolling through your phone, listen with your whole face. 